Emmanuel Moore's very existence is blasphemy. She does her best to worship the Father, follow holy protocol, and lead a life of submission, devotion, and absolute conformity, like all of the other women in Bethel. Until one day, Mishap lures her into the forbidden Dark Wood, the forest that surrounds Bethel and once housed the four witches who dared stand against the Father and his teachings. Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. And I'm Christina. And today we will be discussing The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Um, yay! Woo! <laughs> Woo! As always, let's start off with our non-spoiler reviews. Christina, what did you think of The Year of the Witching? Wow. So, um, this was Hannah's spooky book pick, which I always <laughs> think is really cute because Hannah <laughs> picks books that she thinks are really spooky, but they're not spooky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're spooky. <laughs> it's spooky um, in no. its own way. <laughs> it's spooky in its own way. Um, it actually was really spooky in its own way, aka the patriarchy. and um this book is not really what I expected I thought it would be um much more pro-witch very Mm anti-witch um but still very good um I liked it it was a really quick read for me but yeah I thought it was really good I liked it um without revealing too much it's uh you know more of the people versus the witches Mm. yeah what did yeah. you think, Hannah? Were you were you scared by this book? Did it meet your scary standards? I mean, I think it was the perfect amount of spooky for me. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> then you chose. No, correctly. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't super spooky. Um, I could probably handle spookier. Noted. Um, yeah, I guess. So this book in this discussion will have some content warnings for. Um, I guess, traumatic births, uh, sexual abuse, uh, racism, and rape, uh, to name some. I think you might want to uh, check out the content warnings on storygraph.com before continuing with this book um, and this discussion. I really loved this book. Um, Mm -hmm. I I liked the discussions of misogyny, patriarchy, uh, organized religion, and corruption uh, that happened within this novel. Yeah. Even though... This was a horror, no- horror novel. Like we said, the spooky atmosphere wasn't really the true horror, which I thought was interesting. I'm going to borrow something uh, that beautifully bookish Bethany on YouTube said about this book, which is that the true horror of this story is the misogyny. So very similar to what you were saying yeah. <laughs> at the start of this. <laughs> yeah. I loved the journey that our main character takes. She's discovering herself and her place in the world um, and how this world that she found herself in was against her from the start, both because of her gender and because of her race. Uh, I like how in her journey she really comes into her own power. There are a couple of different reveals throughout this book that made me gasp and I think I honestly cheered at one point. If we go through my notes, I'm pretty sure one of my notes is I cheered at this. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and the, the writing. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I had this one no, moment where um, 
I can't remember exactly which reveal happened, but some reveal happened. And I think I gasped in my mind or like yelped in my mind. I didn't yelp out loud, but Mm -hmm. it like was such a loud yelp in my mind that like I looked around to like see if (laughs) anyone else had reacted. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone else was just like, no, not paying attention to me. Going on about their day. Yeah. But... I had like one of those moments and I just like love when that happens in a book. It was so nerdy. Right. Oh. Oh, <laughs> but it was so great. great at the same time. I was like, you guys paying attention to what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I think just to wrap up my thoughts, I thought the writing uh, is beautifully done. I thought it did a perfect job of painting the picture of what was happening. I feel like I had a very clear visual of what was going on. And I don't know, I kind of want to go back and read it again. I yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, it was good. Good pick, Hannah. Yes! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now we're going to get into our spoiler-filled discussion. If you haven't read The Year of the Witching yet, go read it. Don't let us spoil this book for you. Come back to us once you've read it. Though I guess if you don't mind being spoiled, feel free to continue listening. I can't tell you one way or the other. It's your choice. (laughs) But spoilers are ahead. (laughs) Oh, we start off already with this intense but brief, like, prologue called The Beast. And we just have this woman who is giving birth. And it seems very traumatic. There's a lot of blood. It does not seem like she is going to survive. Not really sure what's happening here. Um, She asks the midwife, who ends up also being her mom. I had that in question marks at the beginning, because I don't know if we were told that directly at the beginning or not. (laughs) Uh, But I have that, and also her mother, question mark, in my notes. Yeah. But she asked the midwife to name her baby. Like, what is the name of the baby? Which was really odd. (laughs) What is happening? Very confusing, Um, like, coming into this book. They just plop you right into Bethel and this world, which has all of these very interesting things going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, basically, uh, the midwife says that the baby's name is Emmanuel, and uh, the woman who was giving birth says, a little curse, a little curse, just as she said, just as she told me. The woman in the woods, the witch, the beast. And I was like, what a way to start a story. (laughs) Here we go. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> and and then we get, because this book is broken into four parts, and part one is called Blood. Yes. So again, not sure what's happening, but now we are, now Emmanuel is all grown up, mm-hmm. uh, and she is, she's at church. We've got this prophet dude gutting a sheep. Yeah, so we're right into people's faces. (laughs) Another bloody scene. It's a blood ritual. Everyone is, uh, are they drinking blood? So he's putting it on their, like, lips. He's putting it on on their mouth and their chin. Okay. 
Gotcha. So yeah, like everybody in the congregation is getting this blood from the sheep blessing. stuck on their face. Yeah, this blessing. Uh, and a lot of that, I, I think it even mentions her like licking it off of her lips. And it's just very, mm-hmm. what is going on? Exactly. There's a lot of uh, like world building right away that has mm-hmm. like no explanation. So you're kind of just thrown into it. I mean, it all gets explained later. So you just kind of have to like go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I think we learn a lot about kind of the setup, like of families even. We learn right away about how Emmanuel's family, how her uh, grandfather has two wives. Um, mm-hmm. One is her grandmother. One is Anne. Um, we also learn about the prophet and how he has a bunch of wives. Yeah, it sounds like he uh, marries like one woman slash girl, basically from each generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We also meet Leia, Emmanuel's friend, uh, who is set to marry the prophet in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they go and out we... for a picnic. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's where we also meet Judith and Ezra for the first time as well. Judith is already married to the prophet, and she's kind of, I don't know, she's just kind of, I don't know. She just doesn't like Emmanuel and is awful to be around yeah. and is like, uh, just right away assumes Emmanuel's a witch because her mom hung out in the dark wood so mm-hmm. in bethel there's like bethel and then it's surrounded by this dark wood and in the dark wood is where all the witches live mm-hmm. and women who hang out in the dark woods are just assumed to be witches so she just kind of accuses emmanuel for like following in her mom's footsteps and emmanuel kind of jokes and plays into it a little bit and Mm -hmm. Ezra gets her jokes and like starts laughing and it's like a really Mm -hmm. cute exchange and it really uh, is yeah and he's he's amazing he does he is amazing I I love him so much I was very suspicious of him the entire book but I was also like everything you're showing me shows me that you're an amazing person and I love you so much (laughs) I know, right? Well, I mean, like, she is super suspicious of him the entire book, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the heir to the prophet, and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, it's, like, right to assume that he's raised to be super conservative and mm-hmm. is, like, going to follow the rules of, I guess, the religion, like, to the strictest T, and... Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I mean, I would be super suspicious and cautious around him. And I mean, Emmanuel is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We also learned that Ezra at some point is going to get a first vision. And mm-hmm. and that once he gets that, that means that the current prophet's end is nigh, basically, and that he'll soon be taking the position of the current prophet, which is very interesting. There is a lot of world building that's going on in this first chapter. We also learn more about Martha, who was the midwife in that first uh, chapter and the mother of the woman who was giving birth. And she has the gift of naming. So she just, I guess, hears from the father what the name of the child is going to be and then gives it to them. Um, Yeah. The prophet also has like, 
his apostles or whatever, and, and they all have, like, their holy dagger, and they all also have some kind of gift as well. One thing that I wanted more on was what the sight was, and I wanted Ezra to reveal what his first sight was, and if it was actually real. Yes! Or if he just, like, had a seizure when he met Lilith. Mm-hmm. Because he was kind of vague about it. You know, like, he kind of brushed it off right. when Emmanuel asked about it. Yeah, I... This is a lot later in the book, but when he does finally get his vision, then I'm waiting the entire book to be like, okay, well, what is his vision? And he yeah. never specifies. Yeah, he totally brushes off the question, and... I felt like out of all people, he would have been honest with her and been like, mm -hmm. look, the visions aren't real. Like, this is totally a lie that we use to keep everyone in line. Or like, right. no, this is what I actually saw and it's going to help us defeat these plagues. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, I, I do almost wonder if he, he did see something and it pertained to Emmanuel and like all of the crazy stuff that happens at the end of the novel. Um, but still, but how I don't did know. it help him? I don't know. I I don't know. This is why I need to go back in and read it again. I don't know. There's also going to be a sequel, so oh, there is. There is. <laughs> so I have I have like a list of three or four questions that I hope the sequel will answer. Okay. And Ezra and his like prophecy skills is one of them yeah i agree we shall see yeah yeah moving on we meet abram emmanuel's grandfather and he's having like a bad day he Oof. i guess at some point he had like a stroke he had a stroke and it was like the day that Emmanuel was born, it was, like, really timely mm -hmm. as far as, like, when Miriam died or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we find out more about that, about how he used to be one of the apostles of the church. He used to be this very powerful person who who had lots of land and, and, and wealth and, and was well-respected. But then his daughter had this child that she wasn't supposed to have with a man that she wasn't supposed to have uh, been, been with. And so then he, for kind of like standing by his daughter and mm -hmm. and um allowing her back into his home after she had gone off into the forest and and spent so much time there he's then stripped of all of his titles and that he lost all of his power and all of his wealth because of that and i think at first i was being very judgmental of him because we're dropped into this society, this patriarchal society, and he has mm -hmm. these two wives. He has like um, Emmanuel's grandmother, and then he has this younger wife. And, and I feel like I was being very judgy of him. But then later, I end up really loving her grandfather. I know. I really do like Abram. He's a good dude. I agree he's, with that. He's really great. Yeah, we we learn about Miriam, how she was betrothed to the prophet. But she mm -hmm. had already been um, with this farm boy from the outskirts. We learned that the outskirts are basically where all of the black people 
our our living um and how he ends up dying on a pyre for as punishment for his crimes of basically being with the prophet's betrothed Mm -hmm. which is when she she actually miriam is She's complicated. I I don't know how I feel about her one way or the other. There are many different reveals about her throughout the story. So I don't know how I feel about her. But we we learn that on the night of her wedding to the prophet, she tries to slit his throat and then like flees into the dark wood where the witches are supposed to be. And I'm just like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Good for (laughs) you for not wanting to be with this man who killed your love, the person that you loved and that you had chosen for yourself. Right. I mean. It is now forcing himself upon you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's a really complicated character. I don't know how I feel about her. <laughs> it's it's tricky. It gets tricky with I think with she had a lot, sure. like, a really tough life. Mm-hmm. And had to make a lot of tough decisions. And I think do think that like there is like one part in the book like where I think Vera says it like it was either Vera or Martha where like every time she went into the woods she came back a little bit madder yes and I think that part like had a little bit to do with why we feel conflicted about her towards the end and Mm -hmm. I think that's just something that was out of her control and not really her fault yeah but I agree with that. We'll discuss that a little bit more later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, and then uh, Emmanuel gets lost in the Darkwood for the first time. Yes. Um, so, so, so much is going on. She, she's supposed to take their ram Judas to market. Um, yes. She has an adorable interaction with Ezra at like this little bookshop stall uh, where she's really looking at this book and and he's also looking at, at some books and is like, well, why don't you get it? And she's like, I truly have no money. I don't think you understand my position yeah. here. And then um, the pushy like bookseller is like, yes! give me your ram. Give me your necklace. Give me like, what? Like, yeah, back he off, kept dude. Trying- <laughs> yes. Kept trying to grab something from her. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and she's trying to make the journey back home with the ram. And I guess like a storm happens and then he goes running off into the woods and she's like, okay. Martha really, really told me not to go into the woods. That's where the four witches are. The super evil witches. Oh my goodness. The super evil witches, you need to stay away. You need to stay away. And then she's like, but that's our ram. And that's our money. I need to go find Judas. I know. Little honor and glory need shoes and dresses. Yes. And, okay, also... It's a 10-mile walk with this ram yes. to the market. Okay, and then the walk through the woods would have been a shortcut. There's never a spec like a she never specifies how much or how many miles it would cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, the shortcut would cut off. I was really curious about that, you know, just like would it be worth it? Right. Would it not but be? yeah, she does mention that as a shortcut for sure. Um, but either but yeah, way, 10 miles, 
to go to market with a ram who's unruly Mm -hmm. like oh that's a lot of work to not even sell it and then have to take it back to the farm I I would want to cut through the forest too I know. I I mean, Judas running off into the forest was <laughs> could have been a good thing, maybe. Because then she's like, yep, now I can take the shortcut, I guess. Exactly. It's That's truly I not my like. fault. <laughs> I was just looking out for our money. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But he truly gets lost, and she comes upon mm-hmm. these two ethereal women who are in yes. a lover's embrace in Ugh. on the floor of the forest. Yes. And, and they have this similar marking, so all of the brides are, their foreheads, like in between their eyebrows, is cut to represent that they're a bride, like the bride's seal. Because again, we have to be reminded that the women have no power in this world. They're branded. They are people's property. Exactly. They're branded like cattle to remind everyone they belong to the prophet. But yeah, so these women, they have a similar seal to the bride one, but it's not exactly the same. And, but they, their eyes are all like dead and white and they're like just really creepy and just kind of staring at her. Yeah. And and, like their bones are like broken and, but then she hears Judas the Ram. Oh my gosh. And she goes off to find him. Oh, but Um, not before they hand her a book. Yes. Yes. She doesn't look at it. No. But they hand her a book and she takes it. Because who would deny a book? She was already looking at books earlier. Exactly. And this is a free one. Mm Mm-hmm. Though I guess I can't remember, is, is reading one of those things that the women aren't allowed to do? There were so many things that oh, I was yeah. like, women aren't allowed to swim. Women aren't allowed to do this. And yeah. one of the quotations I wrote was, isn't it strange how reading a book is a sin, but locking a girl in the stocks and leaving her to the dogs is another day of the good father's work? That was Ezra who said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that quote. Ezra said that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Women aren't allowed to read. I think they said they stopped going to school at 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. they're not allowed to read. Ugh. So yeah, so she gets that small book. She goes off to find Judas the Ram, and he does not make it. No, he's been beheaded. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> Poor she... Judas. I, that, that Ram. They, they were never he able had to had it coming. <laughs> I I mean, he does really, like, beat her up when he's trying to get away from her to go into the woods also. Like, he kicks her face, and she's got, she's all, like, banged up from him. for weeks. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) She makes it home, and everybody was starting to look for her, and she tells her grandma almost everything minus the book. (sighs) And Martha, who... I also have complicated feelings about, but I think I lean more towards the, I really just can't stand her. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I can't decide who I think is the worst person, her or Miriam. They're both not great for different reasons, but Martha brands, uh, Emmanuel with a, like the fire poker on her hand. 
because of going into the woods when she wasn't supposed to, even though she was trying to get the ram back for the family. Yeah. And they're like destitute. Like they're super poor. Like they, they, they can barely eat. Like they barely have food to eat. (sighs) (sighs) Emmanuel has the best intentions always. And she's like, just punished left and right. I mean, like Mm -hmm. just things are always, it's, it's like one of those things where it's like fate definitely exists for her and it's running her life. Yeah. She just can't escape it. Yeah. Then she opens up the book. Uh-huh. And it's her mom's journal. <gasps> yes. She gets to see her mom did like a little portrait of herself, did a little portrait of her dad. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Has so this all is her first entries. time seeing like her dad, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, yeah, it has drawings of like of the witches that she had just seen in the woods, plus some others that she recognizes as Delilah and Lilith, which are like two of the main like four witches or like that rule the woods. Yeah, and the two that she saw in the woods are the other two, which are known mm-hmm. as the lovers. Oh yeah. Yeah, her her mother's diary has all of this stuff going on, and it, it gets more and more frenetic and, I don't know, like, desperate towards the end of mm-hmm. it. It's just, like, starts repeating over and over um, the same phrases, her blood begets blood, that's listed over and over, and then so are the words blood, blight, darkness, and slaughter. And then, father help them, father help us all. Dun dun dun. It's very spooky. What very is foreboding. happening? And this is when I was like, aha, the different sections of the book. I've heard oh. blood, blight, darkness, and slaughter before. Those are the four sections of the book, which was also very like, <laughs> when I noticed that, like, oh no, things are not going to go well, especially if the last part is called slaughter. Yeah, I was really curious about that. Like, how that was going to play out. I um, I was really yeah. curious what these words meant. And we do eventually learn what they stand for. But at first, I I wasn't sure what was going to happen with these different mm-hmm. terms. Right. When we head into the next section of the book, or the next uh, series of scenes, which is Leah, or Leah, getting married to the prophet which begins with the cutting where the mm-hmm. prophet carves that star symbol sigil mm-hmm. into her head on an altar in the church or cathedral and then it's followed by like i guess the reception where they burn celebration <laughs> yeah which involves burning effigies that look like the four founding witches which mm-hmm. we just talked about mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah all fun and games, um, really. All fun. The prophet is coughing. Um, he had been coughing earlier when he was walking to the altar. So immediately, uh-huh. consumption. I know. He's clearly dying. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know about you, but I was like, yes. <laughs> he has right? a chronic disease. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. I mean, I was hoping he was going to die very soon thereafter but oh my gosh yes he really just hangs on the whole novel oh my gosh he does (laughs) 
so long. <laughs> that consumption does not consume. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It takes a long. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, has plenty of time to be creepy throughout the novel. <laughs> he is awful. He is truly so awful. God. Uh, but we also see Judith, one of the prophet's wives, and Ezra together in a graveyard. And Judith is making moves on him. Yeah, she is forcing herself on him. Ooh. Hardcore. She is very much forcing. And and then she, at one point, breaks his necklace that has his holy dagger on it as one of the apostles. And Emmanuel is like, I'm out of here. I, <laughs> I've seen too much. I should not have seen that. But Ezra sees her leave. I mean, and as she's running, she's vomiting, too, I think. Yes! Because she also had too much to drink at the reception. But, I mean, it wasn't a silent getaway. Like, right. they definitely both saw her run yeah, away. Yeah, no, they both know that she was there and that she saw yeah. what was happening um, and what was obviously a sin. And I'm sure she has, like, all complicated feelings about that because of the society she's been raised in. Yeah. One thing about Emmanuel that makes her an interesting character is that she is like a really faithful servant to her faith and to mm -hmm. the father. So you can tell like she's really conflicted about going into the woods and mm -hmm. about breaking her faith. And every time she sins, she feels really guilty about it. Which makes her like a really complex character and like every time she lies she ha like is really conflicted but there are mm -hmm. times where she's like where you think she might like not necessarily like tell on someone but like there are times where you're like like how committed to the faith is she like is she like really right. committed to the like I think she's really committed to the faith like here you know. And, and I think that's an interesting part of her character and because we have Ezra, who is the one that you would think would have all of these ideals, would be following in his father, the prophet's footsteps. But he's mm -hmm. the one who is very much from the beginning, like, what is happening here is wrong. The mm -hmm. Our society is not built in a good way. Um, we are punishing women unfairly. Uh, and then we have Emmanuel, who is experiencing these things and has seen these things and understands the plight of women, but also mm -hmm. is still hesitant to completely change her worldview. Also because, I mean, she's she's raised by Martha, who herself is also a very, very religious person. So I, I think it's an interesting choice, and I like it. I feel that there could be some people reading this book and being like, well, well, of course, it takes the man to be the one to make this change in her. And I, I don't read it like that. I don't read it as Ezra being the one who really instigates any of the changes in her thoughts about the society. Like, she has these yeah. thoughts. She uh -huh. knows that's what's happening is wrong, but she's still, like, she still has her faith and she's still working through it. And so that's why I think it's, like, a really interesting journey of hers where she she's coming to these decisions in her own time yeah which I, I agree really like cool. i think it's just because we're used to like the heroine character being so strong-minded and being like mm -hmm. 
kind of bulldozing, like, like having those strong feelings, like almost like Ezra's feelings from the beginning. And then mm-hmm. being like, these are like, these are my staunch feelings throughout the entire book. And I'm not changing, I'm unfaltering. And like Emmanuel has to kind of like come into her own and feel mm-hmm. it for herself. And like, it just makes more sense. It's more realistic, I think. And that's yeah. what I like about it. Yeah, I, I really like the journey that she goes on throughout this book. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, we it's get good. another encounter with the witches next. Yep. So when she runs away, she runs towards the woods for some reason, and she gets lost for a second time. <laughs> no, she wakes up. She goes to sleep, and she wakes up the next day to go check on her flock. And then she goes into the woods. That's what I have written down. She wakes up, hears a noise outside, goes to check her flock, only to realize the noise is coming from the woods. Oh, I thought when so she, she was running away, that's when she got No, I think she went home oh. and, like, had a good night's sleep. Oh, okay. And, like, wakes up possibly in the middle of the night. I'm unclear about that because I didn't write that down. But she's called okay. into the woods again. Regardless, okay. she's called into the woods again. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And she finds this little pond, and uh, she's really brave here. I mean, she's calling out to these to the, these witches, like, I know you called to my mother, and now me, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Then we meet Delilah. She walks out of the pond. She's yeah, also looking part, pretty beat up. This part was actually kind of creepy. She, like, slithers out of the pond mm-hmm. on her belly, and is, like, all gross, and, like, covered in pond scum and it's all gross and mucky and mm-hmm. Ugh. and uh, since emmanuel had that burn on her hand delilah takes the bandages off and starts like licking and kissing her Ew, hand yeah. so uh, and then pulls her into the water yeah <laughs> and then she's pulled under the water and she's seeing all these flashes of things um and this is where, in Bethel, it was a sin to swim. Oh, it yeah. was not modest or prudent to enter the water, for it was deemed the demon's domain. So, like... But that's okay, <sighs> she knows how to swim. So it's fine. Because Leah taught her how to swim. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for Leah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But then she gets out, and she finally sees the final witch that she hasn't seen yet. Lilith. Lilith. The queen of all of them. And yeah, um, something we hadn't mentioned earlier, I don't think we mentioned it, maybe we did, about Emmanuel and how she has not had her period yet. Oh, until we have this not night. mentioned this. Because in Bethel, they call it the father's blood blessing. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, and it's one of those things where she's like, I don't know if they straight up called her, like, cursed or if it's, like, you know, she's unmarriageable because she's barren. Very frustrating. But Lilith pulls her up and her period starts. Boom, boom, boom. I will say this did have me worried because I'm like, well, now that means she can be married off to somebody and I don't think that's going to go well. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't seem like anything goes well once your period starts in a society like this. <laughs> yes. Very, very true. Yeah. Oh, I would gosh. try and keep that a secret. 
as best you can. <laughs> I, yeah. But no, I, I think doesn't she, like, immediately tell her whole family and her whole family is like, yes! Yeah, no, they Yay! have, like, a party. Like, they kill a chicken, you know. Yeah. The whole nine yards. This is so <laughs> awesome. You know, oh, until gosh. all the water turns to blood. Okay, yeah. Uh, because, well, first we have Ezra stop by with a package and he's basically being like, I'm really sorry you saw me and Judith together. It's kind of bad that we were together and kind of a sin, but like, here's this book you were looking at. (laughs) And she's like, I don't need to be bribed to keep quiet about your sins. What is wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) And kind of a sin. It's only the prophet's wife slash your dad's wife. And the thing is, he's still the one who is, who has all of the power here. I don't think he even needed to bribe her in the first place, because even if she did say anything, it would be Judith who took the fall. Mm -hmm. And who knows, possibly even her could get thrown back on her for eavesdropping or whatever on the prophet's heir. So plus, I think Emmanuel was already thinking that you know, she knows the punishments that women can face in her society. And she mm-hmm. didn't, even though she doesn't like Judith and Judith doesn't like her, she doesn't want to put that on Judith. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. is, this is then when Emmanuel's little half sister, half grand, wait, half cousin. No, no, Aunt? it's her, it's her grandfather's other wife's daughter. Half aunt. <laughs> her little half aunt. <laughs> anyway, I think she was just calling it her sister. That's the thing. I mean, she's basically raised as if they are sisters, especially mm-hmm. since her mom uh, passed away. So they're basically raised as that. But yeah, all of the water has turned to blood. And so this is where we get the four warnings, four witches, four plagues, and the first had come upon them. Blood. Blood. But yeah, she she runs inside and she sees that written in her journal and she's looking at that. And Ezra followed her inside because, I mean, she just like up and ran. She just runs off and he just follows her inside. It's like, what do you have there? She's like, (laughs) "Uh um. But then everybody is freaking out because all of the water. So I guess she's saved by all of the alarm bells that are ringing across Bethel. Exactly. Exactly. Explain. Why right. she saw that and then immediately ran to her bedroom. Yeah, it's also very fascinating to me that Ezra would follow her, but I mean, I don't know. He's I don't know. All privileged like that. Exactly. I was like, that doesn't really shock me because he's like the prophet's heir, so I feel like he feels like he can go anywhere at any time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the blood plague—it's lasting for weeks. It's tainting mm-hmm. the water, the soil, killing the crops. It's not good. I know. He, like, you don't even think about it, but, like, if water turned to blood, like, I mean, yeah, that's a serious plague. Like, everyone is dying of thirst. <laughs> yeah, they're they're having to ration water. I mean, we already knew that Emmanuel and her family were in a bad spot, and now they're even worse off. 
uh, mm-hmm. because clean water just can't be found in Bethel anymore. Yeah, they're they're making their way to town, uh, to the church, I guess, to get some water, some of the water that they're allowed, and they, they make their way through the outskirts, again, that area where it, it's mainly the Black residents, and you notice that there are all of these, like, offerings to the forest, because they live right right between, like, Bethel and the forest, basically. Mm-hmm. and But they're also dealing with the plague as well. At least it seems. Right. You have mothers who are trying to get some water, and Martha's like, don't even look and talk to them. We're just going to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is also the chapter where I wrote down, is the prophet already dead slash suffering even worse from his consumption? Because we don't see him. We see Ezra yeah. at the church. Ezra is being amazing. He's got a bucket of milk. He's uh, taking it around and making sure everybody can get some to drink. I'm like, please let the prophet be dead. Please let the prophet be dead. <laughs> I mean... You know, the prophet is not going to be the one that has his boots on the ground, yeah. like, helping people out. He's going to be the one that's, like, in the storeroom with all the water, like, making sure him and his favorite wives gets mm-hmm. the first of the rations. And Yeah. Yeah. He's a terrible person. Well, and then, because he also sends one of his apostles to be, like... One of you has brought this plague upon us. Turn yourself in. And of course, Emmanuel's like, oh no, I went into the forest twice now. I've seen the witches. I bled in that pond. It's probably my fault. Yeah, I mean, the, the apostle even says specifically, like, a blood offering or sacrifice to Lilith definitely started this plague. And she was like, oh, like, I definitely bled. Uh, was that me? <laughs> and, and when she was underwater, she was definitely saying prayers, but she was saying it, like, to the father and the mother and the... Like, she was covering mm-hmm. all of her bases because she's being drowned, basically. And right. so she was just calling out to everything. And now she's like, oh, gosh. Well, and this wasn't even mentioned, but I was like, well, in the first time she went into the woods, she brought... Judas like yes the ram that was sacrificed in there so I'm like yes. not, a, not only did she bleed like have her period in there but she also brought a ram to, that they sacrificed you see at first I really thought that Judas was the sacrifice that's what and I thought Judas too was the thing that started it but she was very convinced that no it was her period yeah that really got this going so I was like it was probably both honestly like right both combined I mean, the sacrifice of Judas to the lovers and the sacrifice of her period blood to the other two. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but anyways, after she finds this out, she's like, Ezra, you owe me one because I'm keeping your secrets. Mm-hmm. So you got to take me into the Haven, which is where I guess there's like some libraries the where all these forbidden compound. books. Yeah, the prophet's <laughs> compound. His wives live there. Like, there's forbidden books there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a hospital there. Everything is there that mm-hmm. is forbidden. You gotta take me there. Yeah, so I, I like this. This is where she's really starting to be, like, trying to f- fix this problem and, and thinking, I don't need to involve the church, and I'm gonna find a way to make sure I don't incriminate myself. 
and I'm going to fix this problem. Yeah. <laughs> and Ezra's like, why? Why do you need, like, what kind of books do you need? Like, I don't know. And she's just really vague, like, oh, witchcraft books or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, she's also like, like I'm, I'll know it when I see it is basically yeah. what she's like. I need to be there. Exactly. It's also apparently forbidden for women to walk in the library, so... Well, you know. you know, they can't read, so why would they need to walk in there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, all messed up. It really Ugh. is. I hate it, but I liked the scene where they're up in the Forbidden Library and then the prophet comes in and she has to be all sneaky sneaks. Yes. And the prophet found uh, Ezra's dagger under Judah's pillow Okay, Judith, oh, you're you're a big old dum dum for keeping oh. your secret oh, lover's Judith. holy dagger under your pillow. Are you trying to burn on the pyre? Like, what are you doing? Oh my god! <laughs> like what? Oh, and Ezra's trying to just lie and be like, oh, I lost it. Of course, I haven't done anything at all with judith even though it does sound like he kind of maybe had a slight like flirtation uh, thing going on with her before emmanuel was in his life or even i don't know it sounds like maybe even they did hook up or something at one point and then yeah he realized it was wrong and then Mm -hmm. just taking it all back i mean either way like why didn't he like take that dagger back like after it broke off the chain he mentions that he went back to look for it i think he gave chase to emmanuel for a little bit and then probably Mm. thought better of chasing after her through the dark (laughs) and through her like 10 miles to get back home or whatever (laughs) and and turned around and it was already gone oh god judith decided to take it yeah, it's not good. But he also, we also find out that the uh, prophet, for whatever reason, wants the census accounts of all of the women in Bethel. Because, of course, mm-hmm. we have to pin this on the women. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like, throughout this entire novel, I was thinking as I finished the novel, there's not one mention, uh, besides all the punishment that Ezra goes through, obviously. And... The punishment that Abram took, I guess. But, mm-hmm. and Emmanuel's dad. Okay, whatever. But, like, really men are not getting punished. And there are, yeah. like, really, like, no laws that prohibit men from doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, throughout the entire book we find out things that women can't do. But, like, what can men not do? You know? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> it's uh, frustrating. Yeah. Anyways, so Emmanuel escapes through like a back door and who does mm-hmm. she run into? But Judith. <sighs> Judith. And Judith starts interrogating her and being all hoity toity. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be in this building. You're like, you're sneaking around, like mm-hmm. immediately like starts accusing her and thinks she's up to no good and really like Judith accuses Emmanuel. I think she says something like, You're you're someone from the outskirts and that's where you belong or like mm-hmm. you know, like you're right. never like supposed to be 
in this part of town or like whatever and it's just really mm-hmm. cruel but and then what does Emmanuel say she's like something like you're gonna get what's coming to you basically basically and then immediately a prophet's guard appears and is like Judith come with me and it's like <laughs> the prophet wants to have a word with you basically and it's like <gasps> <gasps> Yeah. And that's the thing, as as much as Judith is being this annoying, horrible person, she also doesn't deserve whatever punishment no, is going to come doesn't. to her uh, at all. And because you know it's going to be outrageous and completely unfair, whatever happens to her. And I I think Emmanuel is even like, this is not, this is not going to be good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I like I assumed she was going to the pyre, but honestly what she yeah. goes through is probably worse. Yeah, she goes through like some kind of reformation. They have like some kind of reformation type thing. I forget what it's called going on. It's yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called either. Um starts with a C. It does start with a C, but I truly don't remember. But basically she's kept in a cell and her head is shaved. She's starved mm-hmm. and beaten and interrogated mm-hmm. and forced to repent and i mean it's reconditioning i guess is what they're going for oh i think it's called conditioning oh okay so there you go yeah anyways after all that more yeah we get more of ezra and emmanuel together yes he they they get to talking you know he talks about how he did foolish and reckless things like with judith he he i I think the exact line is because she asks like why in the world did you even get together with judith in the first judith in the first place you Mm -hmm. know it's going to be awful for her you know it's going to be terrible the consequences are going to land on her shoulders they have landed on her shoulders and nothing's going to happen to you except for his dad did like dig his dagger into his hand into the palm of his hand oh no (laughs) <laughs> but that that's it that's that's the only thing the only punishment that's going to happen to him and right. his eventual answer is just people do foolish reckless things when they're desperate to find ways to escape themselves yeah yeah we we learn about how he wants to travel um to the lands outside of bethel and and emmanuel's like that's forbidden what are you talking about because she's yeah. still again like fighting against everything she's been raised to believe right oh everything outside of bethel is just like a wasteland there's nothing good out there we yeah. can only stay here and he's like that's like only one perspective that can't mm-hmm. be true and that's what i was like my God, it's filled with like cities, modern day cities and cars and planes. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> oh. oh my gosh. <laughs> but she she fairly honest with him, telling him that she wants to find a way to stop the bleeding that she's going to find a way that she needs to go back into the woods like at one point they were trying to find a map so she could find her way back to that pond mm-hmm. because she thinks she needs to go back there to be able to stop the bleeding but she doesn't want him to come to the woods because the woods are supposedly like extra dangerous for men but again he's like that's surely just a perspective thing that's surely just said to like keep us out of there and isn't actually true right I do like that uh, kind of like scientific way of thinking or like, I guess, logical mm-hmm. way of thinking kind of like the monsters aren't real under your bed. Like, let's just do this. I'll go with you and protect you. It's fine. Or like whatever. Mm-hmm. I know it's like kind of macho, but 
you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like grounding in a sense, you know, Mm -hmm. where she's really like emotional about it. He's kind of like grounding for her, like, you know, I'll be here and we'll keep it real and I'll be the rock for you if you need me, but, Mm -hmm. you know, let's do this. So they go into the woods the next day. (sighs) They make it to the pond. And Ezra's eyes are opened. (gasps) And he's proved wrong. (laughs) Uh, It's so cute. They they have more cute interactions, even though they're about to do something that's, like, scary and and spooky and they're in these dark woods. And she's immediately, like, gonna get down to business. She's like, turn around, don't look at me, because she's gonna strip out of her clothes so she can wade into the pond. Mm-hmm. And ties a rope around her waist and hands it to him and he's like what are you doing this makes no sense but she's like mm, no time gotta go and yeah. so she goes in and and prays to the dark wood to stop the plague uh cuts her forearm so that she can give like another blood sacrifice mm-hmm. ezra starts to try and like pull her out but then she's pulled under yeah yeah, so she's pulled under by the uh, by Delilah, mm-hmm. and she sees all these ghosts at the bottom of the, the pond. And, okay, so this is something that I kind of wish that the author did a little bit more, but she kept referring to the pond water as water. Mm. But it's not water. It's blood. And... Yeah. Like, I kept forgetting that it was blood because she kept calling it water. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, thick, gross, viscous, oozy, Mm -hmm. gross, just congealy blood. And I feel Mm -hmm. like it could have made the scene, like, really gross if, like, she just kept reminding you that it was blood. Fair, yeah. Because I kept just being like, oh, she's, like, you know, just in a pond of water and, like, you know, although, like, there was, like, one point where she was about to, like, take a gulp, and mm-hmm. she did say, like, a gulp of blood or something, and that was really yes, disgusting, yes, yeah. and I really liked that. I don't know, I, uh, I, I liked that. Just getting that. those extra details. Yeah, just getting the extra details of how mm-hmm. gross the whole scene was. Like, I mean, it is a really gory scene. Well, yeah, also because what she's seeing is gory, because the visions she's seeing down there, she's seeing the first prophet, who is also known as the witch killer, because he's the Mm -hmm. one who who banished and and killed the four witches. So she sees him just laughing as uh, the flames are consuming the women, and she she finds out that what he did was basically a massacre Mm -hmm. of of all these peoples, and uh, so. Yeah. Then she gets out of the pond and she finds Ezra who's held to the ground with like thorns and roots. Yep. And his eyes, like his pupils are like way dilated. Like he doesn't look like he's there and he's definitely like like it's hard to tell if he's even alive. Yeah, so there she- there's a point where she pulls him, she she drags him from the forest and it doesn't even seem like his heart is beating and I was just like, mm-hmm. "Oh no, there goes my favorite character." Oh my god, there's so many points in this book where I'm like, "Is Ezra dead?" Yes. <laughs> like, yes, so many times. I was like, "Oh no." 
Yeah. I had to use the body theory a couple times where I'm like, I didn't see his dead body. So he might be alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it seems like he's had his first vision. So he's the current prophet's on the way out. He should be dying any day now, right? Yeah. No. But he should be. Yeah. So I guess that's when we, that's when we learn that this is really how it works. Like as soon as the next prophet has his vision, the other prophet really starts to decline. Mm -hmm. And it's like any day now that prophet should be dying now. Yeah. Um, And they have like some sort of, they have like a little bit of a, like a sacrificial inauguration for Ezra. Once he mm-hmm. has his new vision, he's healed up, which takes about like a week or so. Mm-hmm. And at this, they, I don't know, I was a little bit confused because like, they like make mention that like Leah is not with the wives for some reason. Yeah, so ugh, this is, they have this like celebratory feast. Even Judith was taken out of her confinement. Or, or I guess we find out that she was taken out of confinement and sent to contrition. I wrote it down. Contrition. Oh, contrition. The water's clearing up, so that's good. And that's, like, another reason to celebrate. Uh, but mm-hmm. Ezra leaves the celebration, and Emmanuel goes off to follow him. And then uh, Leia follows her. So this is where we find out that Leia is six months pregnant. But she's only been married for one month. And we yeah. find out that the prophet is even more awful than we first knew because he's been sleeping with her since she was 13. Mm-hmm. Since she was doing, I guess, like altar boy type stuff. I don't know. Like working yeah, in the church. Penance? I don't know. What it was like is. called penance, but it was basically like doing work inside the church, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. And so he's been you know, grooming her and abusing her since she was 13, which right. is terrible. And uh, yeah. it's, it's just awful. And and Emmanuel is, of course, horrified by this. And, and Leia was like, I didn't even really want to, like, let you know about this because you're going to put the guilt on yourself. Right. I mean, it's a hard conversation to have and, like, a hard thing to know, but I, it just drives Emmanuel further and harder to like get yeah. rid of the prophet and make changes in Bethel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She she continues. She has this conversation. And she's like, "Okay, I'm still gonna continue following Ezra. I'm gonna follow where he's going and have this talk with him because I haven't been able to talk with him mm-hmm. since his near death experience." And so then we we get to kind of hear Ezra's side of the story of him trying to get her out. Mm-hmm. And and that not working and and how he was getting the census papers for the prophet for his father, like he had been asked, but he did not give his father hers. And we find out that he didn't because she has uh, the mark of the witch next to her name and that in her father's family line, like every other generation has a witch in it. And so the the most recent one before her was her grandmother, Vera. Ugh. And so, I don't know, their, their conversation just kind of ends with Ezra. And this is why I almost feel that whatever he saw has to do with her, because he's very much like, you need to 
you need to stop what you're doing. It, this is going to end with you dead. You you, mm-hmm. you need to stop. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll keep my head down. Fine. But I need you because she's fresh off of her conversation with with her friend. Be like, you you need to protect those who can't protect themselves. Which he's he's already been kind of attempting to do, but failed miserably with Judith because got her in trouble. So yeah. So you need to do better, and you need to make sure that you're protecting as many people as you can. Yeah. yeah. Then the next plague strikes. The blight, which starts off with some innocent sleepwalking children, who then start violently banging their head into a door. Okay, oh Hannah, gosh. is this your nightmare? Because I know you sleepwalk. <laughs> I did. It starts off and she's just sleepwalking and I'm like, this is odd, but you know, it happens. <laughs> and, then, oh, and then it turns into the horror filled. I guess it would be more of a nightmare for your dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. He would not know how to handle that. He would just bark uh, at you. <laughs> yeah, he would. That would probably wake me up. But yeah, yeah. It, it's awful. It's it's affecting so many people. Age doesn't seem to be a factor. It's just causing this this madness and people are even just running into the woods. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they get a fever and then they just go crazy. This is the chapter that really made me like her grandfather because she's she's like, "Okay, I I know that my grandmother was a witch. I know that she and her family are from the outskirts. Uh, I need to get to the outskirts so I can learn more about my family history, so I can learn more about this side of myself that I haven't had a chance to really explore. And she's like, Martha's never going to let me go. Grandma is never going to let me go. She, She would not do that. But grandfather might. And Oh, she goes and he's just in his little like woodworking shop because he does these just like little tiny carvings or whatever. And he's making a little tiny coffin for the littlest of the kids in the household because he wants to give her a proper burial, which he was never allowed to do for his oldest daughter, for Miriam, because Mm -hmm. of her crimes and yeah. and it's just it's heartbreaking because i don't know you, you scene. it's such a sweet scene and he's very much like yes i will help you you deserve this go and learn about your your people yeah, yeah. and i love how seemingly proud of her he is mm-hmm. yeah i wasn't like you were saying earlier at the beginning of the book i wasn't sure like how like hard on her he was gonna be mm-hmm. but He's really sweet. He is. Yeah, she makes it to the outskirts. Everything seems better than in Bethel. Uh, There there aren't that many, as she's calling it, blight-stricken, because she knows that's the next plague, is is the blight. And she makes her way to the uh, chapel there. And I thought this was a really interesting detail, because we had mentioned... I, I don't think we mentioned it, but earlier in the book, when she's in the library, there's like this stained glass. And I think, I don't know if even in the church, there's all this stained glass. Uh, but of course, it's got all of the, you know, white people 
and figures mm-hmm. on it. And so then she goes to the outskirts and she goes to this chapel here and it's completely different from the prophet's chapel. And she's actually seeing these, uh, I, I wrote down the dark skinned saints, um, which is something that she hasn't seen before. So she's getting to see herself right. reflected for once in, in her own like religion or in like a religious figure. And which I think is is just really interesting and great that she gets to have that moment mm-hmm. uh, of of recognizing herself and and yeah. So then she she talks more and finds out that none of her family are there anymore. That mm-hmm. uh, Vera is supposedly alive, but she left Bethel after her father or after after Vera's son Emmanuel's father had yes. been killed. She's in this town called Ishmael. Mm-hmm. North Which isn't too Bethel. far away. No, but it is outside the gates. Mm-hmm. Which you might be able to exit from, but you will probably never enter in through again. Yeah. So she is then led to her grandmother's old house mm-hmm. in the outskirts, uh, where she's find where she finds that it's just ruins. Yeah. She does find some stones with some sigils scrawled on them. Yes. Yes. And one of them has a nasty curse on it. Yeah, it's interesting. These these sigils that she's found. She found a stone that was cursed. Ugh. And then she finds the path to the cabin. She knew that her mom had spent most of her time in the woods, in a cabin. And so here Mm -hmm. she finds it connected to her grandmother's place. So basically, like, okay, now it makes a little more sense how she survived so long in the woods because she had help from Vera and this cabin and this place to stay. I know. Really, she wasn't really surviving in the woods. Really, she was, like, in a cabin in a town. So... Less impressed, Miriam. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And then this is when we start to really get some stuff about Miriam because she finds more of these sigils, uh, another like cursing seal, and then like a birthing sigil, and then like a binding and like a bride. She's finding all these things and basically realizing that she herself is truly the curse that Emmanuel was create not necessarily was created because I mean her her mom and her dad definitely loved each other but at some point Miriam takes all of her hatred and frustration about what has happened to her and to the person that she loved and decides to get revenge and decides to put that on her child that that she will be the one to bring the plagues and that she herself is the curse yep which is awful i know i kind of was like so now what like does emmanuel like for sure have to die at this point you know Mm -hmm. the stakes become real so she uh burns down the house yep i think that's fair Yeah, she falls into just a fit of rage Mm -hmm. and just thinks her mom sold her to Lilith and to the evil of the Dark Wood for revenge 
for her father's death, basically, mm-hmm. and that her mom didn't care about the life of Emmanuel at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that's really sad to think about. And this is when you start getting those mixed feelings for Miriam, and you don't know if you really like her anymore. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, that that's an awful, awful thing. I mean, I don't know. I I think it does come out, and I think it's later when we're talking to Vera, maybe. But Miriam did love Emmanuel, but I don't know. Between the grief and and the witches propositioning her basically like put Uh feeding these ideas into her it just got warped into and i i I think this is revealed later that it's not so much that she made emmanuel a curse but she was trying to make sure emmanuel would be powerful yeah and that this was the way to make sure that her daughter would have the power and would be able to, like, survive in this world. Right. I guess. The unfortunate bit is that Emmanuel was raised by the church and not Vera. Mm-hmm. Because I think if she was raised by Vera, then maybe she would actually have been able to, like, wield that power and protect herself. But because she was raised by the church, she kind of just fell victim to the power and, like... Mm-hmm. And is now trying to, and is now forced to try and fix the damage that the power has done. Yeah. Which Miriam couldn't have predicted, but I don't know. She also didn't go to significant lengths to make sure that Vera got Emmanuel when she had given birth. Yeah. (sighs) Life is complicated. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyways, Uh. she goes back to her house and who's there? The The freaking prophet, who's still alive, and he should be dying, because Ezra should be coming into his power, but I was just, I really just needed the prophet to die. Yeah, but can he just die? Is he on bed rest now? No, he's just being creepy now, is what he's doing. He's, because now he's making eyes at Emmanuel, but also accusing her of all of these various sins, like witchcraft and adultery and all of this stuff. Like, he's trying to get her confession, basically, and and trying to be like, have you done these things? And thank goodness for Grandpa, who who does step in again to be like, Mr. Prophet, sir, you should really get going. The roads are being overrun with sick people. Who are, because we know there's still a blight going on that you should be, you and the church really should be doing something to fix. I don't think Grandpa says that, but that's my ad lib. Like, you have other things to do. Exactly. Besides being creepy with my granddaughter, Ezra also steps in during the scene. He does. Yeah, to give him a little bit of credit. But Abram is really the shining star. Mm Mm-hmm. The prophet is super creepy in the scene. I don't even, he's just like whispering in his ear and just thinking of like old men getting close to your ear, whispering in. Blech. It's, it's so awful. And, and then the next major thing we find out is again, the prophet being awful because we find out that Leia is in labor early and, mm-hmm. and that he didn't send for help because she wasn't supposed to even be six seven however many months pregnant she is now and so 
Ezra comes for her and Martha because Martha's the the midwife and mm-hmm. all of the other wives are like the the child comes first and that, because it's the prophet's child and Emmanuel's like this is not this is not okay right. and then the baby's born but Martha has no name for the baby which I thought meant that the baby was going to be dead that the baby wasn't going to survive very long That's what I thought too but the baby does but survive then- but now all of the wives are like, she's cursed because she and has Martha no name said she's from the cursed father. too. I don't know. Poor Leia dies. And, but I, yeah, I just, I'm really curious. That's one of my questions that I wonder if we'll get more about it in the sequel. I was almost wondering if it's like the time of the father and that religion slash cult is coming to an end. And so because mm-hmm. of that, he's not named like, the names aren't coming anymore because they're not going to be a part of that right organization anymore. But I don't know. We just have this baby hmm. with no name, and it could uh, be. Yeah, but I don't know. But does that's the baby not ever get a name? I don't think so. I think she's just referred to as Leia's daughter. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember her ever being given a name throughout the book. I don't think book. she is. And but is I would she have really to double first? I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That was a tough scene. It's awful. Yeah. Because Leia's also sick with the blight, so she's not completely Mm -hmm. with it anymore. But she does want her baby to be saved, and and it's really rough. And then in the next bit is when we get one quotation that I wrote down, which was, this was the great shame of Bethel, complacency and complicity that were responsible for the deaths of generations of girls. It was the sickness that placed the pride of men before the innocence they were sworn to protect, which is also where I think Emmanuel is truly coming into her power here and being like, mm-hmm. what is happening is truly horrendous. Right. This cannot continue. Things need to change. And and she's just angry with the prophet. She's angry with the entire system. But she's also, like, Bethel doesn't deserve this. Mm-hmm. That, similar to how she didn't deserve to be the one to have the plagues, that she needs to find a way to save the innocent people. Similar mm-hmm. to how she was asking Ezra to protect the innocent, like she now needs to find a way to protect the innocent because nobody here is doing anything to protect anybody. And right, and she needs to do something. We find out yeah. Ezra is is being sweet again because he's very much going to protect the baby and mm-hmm. make sure nothing happens to her. There, I, there are a bunch of scenes where it's like Ezra and the baby, and yeah, I just they're always in the library together. Yes. <laughs> and I just find that really sweet and and gosh she even cause, cause now she's you know like okay I, I have to go find Vera I have to leave Bethel which is something that she before was it was completely out of the question but she needs to leave mm-hmm. Bethel to find her grandmother to find Vera and and she tells Ezra I, I think this is the point where she tells him everything that that she's the curse and and Ezra, he's just more focused on her, like, leaving Bethel and mm-hmm. th- than that she's a curse. And just like, you're so yeah. sweet, Ezra. And then he, like, casually proposes to her. 
Basically, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and then we can, like, raise Leah's daughter together. And, you yeah. know, we can be her mom. And make sure Isn't nothing bad happens to her. They're all banking on the prophet dying really soon. And he's like, I'll be the prophet. If you're my wife, you're completely safe. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, she turns him down. She does turn him down, but they do work out that, yes, he will help her escape the city because she needs, like, special papers uh, to get past the mm-hmm. gates because only certain mm-hmm. people are allowed to leave, like, only the apostles or whatever. Yeah. Ugh, and then this is where I hate Martha so much. <laughs> yes. Yep. This is when I really start to hate Martha. I was, like, kind of on board with Martha before this because she does apologize. She does. To Emmanuel for being, like, for harsh. The- for the hand and, yeah. branding. And I was like, okay. I think this is great after Leah dies. Mm-hmm. That she apologizes. But the night that Emmanuel tries to escape, Martha stops her in the kitchen, grabs her knapsack, and finds the forbidden books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tries to, you know, says the, the old adage, if you walk out that door, you're never allowed in this house again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't raise you to repeat the sins of your mother or to die on the pyre like your father. And on the one hand, yes, I can have some sympathy for Martha, who has gone through the trauma of losing her daughter. And that she just, she really, truly believes. She's really faithful. She wants to make sure that Emmanuel's soul is safe but this goes back to that complicity like she's being complicit in everything that is happening to the Mm -hmm. women of this town and and here by casting her out and then we find out then even further than that turning her in just Mm -hmm. that's not going to do anything for her soul and i guess she doesn't necessarily know that but it's it's (sighs) not going to help her yeah it's also like one of those typical things in books and movies where you're like, well, like if Emmanuel was like totally open with Abram and Martha from the beginning mm-hmm. and was totally transparent about what she was doing and like trying to stop the plagues and like, hey, this is what something that Miriam put on me and like, it's not my fault, but this is what I'm trying to do to stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Martha would have been on board to help her. Like, I don't know. But it would have been a different novel, you know? Yeah. Who knows? As it stands, I don't like Martha. Yeah. But Ezra comes, and he's amazing, and he's managed to get it so that they can get through the gates. He's even got a wagon and provisions, and he's basically... Not a covered wagon. Not a covered wagon. <laughs> But he is. That would have been really comes, useful. <laughs> he comes prepared and it's like, okay, we we do this together. We we go together. We do this together. We find out that Martha turned her in, and the guards are coming after them. And Ezra is amazing and is immediately like shooting at them and trying to stop them, and eventually realizes. That I know I just said we were going to do this together, but I'll buy you time. You go on ahead. And he's like, don't look back. That classic, don't look back. (sighs) And she's riding away, but she does. She looks and she sees him stagger. But then the plague of darkness hits. Yeah. 
and everything is dark. <laughs> and she yep. makes it out of town. Well, we don't see a dead body. So. We don't see a dead body, but I was so concerned. I was very concerned. And it's a long time before we see Ezra again. Yes! A really long time. Well, yeah, she has her whole journey to to Vera. She does eventually make it to her grandma. There's some mishaps with the wagon and the horse, but she makes it there. Mm-hmm. Makes it to her grandmother. And... And we find out that her grandmother has a lady friend who is more than just a friend. We find out that she's got Sage as her partner and companion, which I mm-hmm. thought was really cute. Yeah. And Emmanuel's just totally like, congratulations, you two. Yeah. Which is it, like it totally open-minded sweet. for like coming from the upbringing that she came from, which mm-hmm. is really nice. But it just shows, like, her transformation, too, from, like, where she started and where she is now. Yes. Fully evolved. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. And she's like, there's a second bedroom that's not used. (laughs) Yeah, that's her clue. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She figures it out. (laughs) Vera wears pants. That's so weird. They do make a big deal of of describing how Vera is dressed as a man would be a lot of times. And, I I mean, it's fair because that's all that Emmanuel knows. She she is very much brought up in the men wear this, women wear this. There's no crossover between the two. Right. It It makes makes sense sense. for the times. Yeah. Um, And then Vera knows exactly how to stop the plague Mm -hmm. and tells Emmanuel how to do it. The curse sigil that we had seen earlier inside Mm -hmm. her house, but with one extra little marking inside. Yes. Yes. And she needs to make it not with just any knife, but it needs to either be the prophet's knife or the sacred gutting knife or um, the first prophet's sword. So she has a couple options, but all of which are going to be hard for her to get her hands on. And if she manages this and if she survives this binding that she's basically doing, it'll mean that she's able to wield the plague powers as she wishes. But there's also going to be a price, some kind of price. Vera doesn't know what, but it's going Mm -hmm. to be steep, whatever it is. Right. Throughout this whole thing, I'm like, wow, okay, so the next hurdle that they're all going to have to jump over is how they're going to, like, smuggle her back into Bethel. Like, that's going to be the next hard part of this. Think again. The prophet guards (laughs) managed managed to track her down in darkness. I actually was really impressed by them. I thought they were going to be really ignorant prophet guards, but they were they were pretty wily and smart for I mean, typical again, guards. The prophet guards, <laughs> I, I think them and like the apostles are the only ones who are allowed out of Bethel anyway. So they kind of have a little more world knowledge. But yeah, mm-hmm. they tracked her down pretty much right away. And they're going to bring her back unharmed. But we also notice that one of Ezra's half-brothers is there. And he's wearing Ezra's holy dagger now. So yeah. it's just like, what has happened to Ezra? Yeah. I Nothing was like, good. oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> At this point, they start interrogating her, and mm-hmm. her trial begins shortly thereafter. Um, they're just trying to get her to confess to being a witch and for starting this plague, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Martha comes, just like, repent at your trial and come back to us as if they're going to let her come back that, to them. That was the most frustrating thing for me. I'm like, Martha, why would you ever turn her into the prophet guards? Like, like you would think that she's ever going to survive after getting in their custody mm-hmm. ever survive she's gonna go through contrition and they're gonna burn her at the pyre mm-hmm. like she's never gonna survive contrition never mm-hmm. even if she repents even if she didn't actually do anything even no matter what even if she's innocent like martha's delusional like it's it's so frustrating and that's where i can't tell if she's simply just trying to save her her soul and, right. and be like, that's good enough. It it doesn't matter if, if her physical being is no longer here as long as I have managed to save her soul. Right. But even that, no. Save her. Protect yeah. her. Like, she's a child. Like, ugh. It's so frustrating. Like, ugh, I just wanted to, like, I was totally on board with Emmanuel, like, giving her the cold shoulder when mm-hmm. Martha visited her yeah. in jail like uh, yeah yeah so frustrated with martha i don't like her at this point especially then we get into the trial and i mean everybody's already made up their minds it's really can only go one way for her uh mm-hmm. but they do call witnesses and the first witness is her grandfather and he's he's like trying to help her trying to be like she has the same sickness as her mother can you at least banish her instead mm-hmm. of of doing anything else Ugh. but then we have judith come who i mean she's been in contrition this whole time things have not yeah. and nothing has been kind to her no one has been kind to her she's gone through all of this and she's clearly there at the behest of the prophet and and mm-hmm. trying to claim that emmanuel seduced ezra uh which i mean there wasn't really any options for judith so i don't even hold that against her there's there's no way she was in an impossible position i would she have done this anyway possibly but she was in a horrible I mean, position. She probably would have done it no matter what, but in this particular position, they probably bribed her and yeah. saying, like, you'll be free if you For do sure. this. Like, For and sure. that's probably why she was crying when they dragged her away because she knew that she wasn't going to be free mm-hmm. and that they lied to her. And then it's Ezra's turn. So he's alive, but he's he's beaten up. And and he's completely taking full responsibility. And this is where I wrote, I'm so sorry I ever for a second doubted you, you sweet, sweet man. <laughs> because Oh my god. Uh he he's saying that like it was him, he caused the plagues. He's labeled as a false prophet now and dragged out of the church, and the trial is like adjourned for for the day or whatever. I wasn't sure what was going to happen next after that. Ugh. Yeah. That was like one of those crazy moments where I was like, ah, like, why are you doing this? No. And you know, this is the moment because the prophet has like 
there's always been a tension between him and Ezra through the whole mm-hmm. novel. And I feel like the prophet has been waiting for this moment. Like he's been oh, wanting yeah. to jump on a moment like this yeah. the entire book. And so he's just like, okay, cool. We'll sacrifice you too. Like yeah, two birds with one stone. Sure. Yeah. Ezra's going to be burned at the pyre as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's brought to the prophet's quarters he has Miriam's diary. He's offering her food, which she does take because, I mean, they've been starving her. And he basically says that, you know what? Here's a, a plan that'll save both you and Ezra. That's what you want. That's what I want. Of course, I want everybody to to live this. I mean, he's my son, of course. So, you know, become one of my wives. Um, mm-hmm. I've got your grandma prisoner, you know, but but just 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 a side a side note, just to let you know that. But still, I think everybody can survive here. Like, you know become my become my wife um i'm gonna burn down the dark wood you know just know that fact too uh (laughs) and and i mean she calls him out on on his sins and the things that he's done and he's like well i never claimed perfection we all make mistakes which is just so infuriating yeah because they expect perfection from the women yes They cannot make a single mistake, and if they do, they are severely punished for it. And he's Mm -hmm. made horrible mistakes, mistakes in quotation marks, he's made horrible decisions, and and isn't going to face any punishment for it. Exactly. This whole time he's also writing a letter, and I don't think that's ever, like, mentioned what the letter is about or for. Yeah. And I'm just really curious about that letter. (laughs) She says something, and then he's like, okay, and signs it, like, pointedly. Yeah. And I'm like, are these the marriage documents that he's writing up? I have no clue. I have no clue. Like, because I kind of thought he was going to use the documents to leverage something against her. I kept, like, thinking they would show back up, and they never did. Yeah. Same. I was really curious about them as well. It's just the entire scene. He's having this conversation with her, but also writing this letter, but having this like really important conversation and still writing this letter. And you keep getting mentions of this letter in this chapter. It's probably a complete red herring and truly has nothing to do with anything. But that's one of yeah. the things I want to know. What is with this letter? I need to know. <laughs> but tell me someone. Tell me. But Emmanuel actually does seriously consider his marriage proposal Mm -hmm. because it allows her to get close enough to the prophet in order to snag his dagger Mm -hmm. so she can inscrawl the sigil that she needs to on her forearm in order to stop the plagues from continuing. So she's considering. Well, yeah, and I I think she's also knows the story of her mother, you know, trying to kill the prophet on the mm-hmm. wedding night. And she's like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to succeed. I'm, yeah. I'm going to manage to finally end this. Right. And so, so yes, yeah, yeah. she, she agrees. She, she goes to the church. She confesses. So now it's her turn the other day it was Ezra's turn. Now it's her turn to completely confess to everything. 
And the prophet is like, aha, lovely. We're going to destroy the Darkwood. But you know what? I'm going to take this on myself. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to take on this punishment. And that punishment will be marrying her um, to, to purge her of evil. You know, break the curse. It'll, yeah, that's, that's why I'm marrying her. I'm clearly I'm a martyr for taking yeah. on this great Great pain. Like, you <laughs> awful man. Even everyone at the trial is sitting, like, in the audience is just like, uh, what? What? What, what exactly? <laughs> Burn the witch! <laughs> yes! <laughs> but you know what? She accepts! And so now she's free of the dungeon, so yay for that. But uh, yeah, ugh, she's taken to Leia's room, which I think is yeah, that's kind sad. of cool. Yeah, that's a punishment. And then Ezra's mom actually comes to her uh, and is basically like, "You need to save my son. How are not even just you need to? How are you going to do it?" It's just yeah. very upfront. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Like, she does not care for Emmanuel at all, you know, sees everything as her fault, which, I mean, that's the societal norms, but I don't know. I mean, also, like, he is lying for her, and yeah. Esther can see that, and, I mean, if you fiercely love your son like Esther does, mm-hmm. and you're and you're Emmanuel, and you're just hanging around... Ezra and all of a sudden he's gonna die for Emmanuel like Mm -hmm. if if I'm Esther I would be like I'm gonna murder you if you don't save my son he's about to die for you like you know I totally get that (laughs) and that's I mean she supposedly already has saved him but she's like okay let me go talk to him tell him what he needs to do to complete like fully complete this plan that I have mm-hmm. that'll keep him safe. And so so yeah, this is another instance where he's being held prisoner in the library with Leia's daughter. Ugh. Ugh. But then House this is where arrest. we find out that the prophet made deals with both of them and mm-hmm. that he had told Ezra like, yeah, I'll everybody will survive if you plead guilty. I'll spare her life and then to her like oh yeah if you plead guilty and agree to marry me i'll spare ezra's life and uh, so ezra's like we we really just need to get out of here this mm-hmm. let's just go let's just give up on give up on bethel it's a lost cause but she's still like no no we're gonna we're gonna do this uh, i really did not want her to get the bride mark on her forehead. I didn't either. I was like, oh, so she's gonna go through with being marked forever? Oh, yeah. I didn't like that she's marked forever. I hated that so that. much. But, but yeah, she she gets married to him. And then they're having the feast. Ezra's there at the feast. But then, oh no, he's being taken straight to the pyre. And she's mm-hmm. like, this was not the plan so so now continuing their back and forth of trying to save each other now it's her turn to be like no 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 let me take his place i am a pure sacrifice i i have not been touched by anybody so let me do this and of course ezra's like what are you doing 
Like, stop it. And then Martha is trying to sacrifice herself, which I guess is kind of slightly redeeming, but it's also, why are you doing this now? Yeah. Again, there was never a world where Emmanuel would have gotten away from this without being punished. Mm-hmm. Why are you sacrificing yourself now? You know how we could have avoided a lot of this? You didn't turn her in that night when she ran away. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. But I guess it's a kind gesture from her grandmother who is... Yeah trying to keep her alive but no emmanuel is going to be the sacrifice and instead of being thrown on the pyre now nobody's being thrown on the pyre but she's going to be taken to the altar and gutted with the okay gutting yeah knife. so i didn't understand why her sacrifice had to be that she was gutted and not thrown on the pyre that seemed a bit ridiculous <laughs> if there is a negative yeah. in this book i'm like that doesn't there's a pyre right there <laughs> like it's right yeah. behind her i was like why Ezra was going to be thrown on the pyre, and she's just replacing him, so... I guess... <laughs> I mean, I get that it had to work with the story, that she well, needed the gutting knife, but... Is it because now she's married to the prophet, and I don't think... The, the pyre is held for, like, the worst of the worst, basically, and I guess now that she's married to the prophet, that affords her a death where her bones can be buried? Oh, maybe. Maybe. So she gets a worse death? Like, yeah. a more painful death? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I but don't no, know this is, is where worse. I cheered, though. When we get to chapter 39, and it says, Emmanuel caught the cutting knife. And I was like, yes, good for you. She gets the knife, she catches it, she rips it from his hands, and she carves the symbol into her arm. Mm -hmm. And then nothing happens. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Oh my god. Except for now the slaughter begins, because now we're on to the plague of slaughter. Yeah. And, okay, yeah, so I, the whole book, I was like, oh, how's the slaughter going to play out? So basically, I guess hell rips open. And a bunch of creatures start mm. coming into the cathedral, mm-hmm. and they start slaughtering everyone. Yes. Yeah, I had a lot of theories about how that was going to play out. I thought different yeah. groups of people were going to start slaughtering each other, but didn't expect hell to rip open. Well, yeah, that, and then the witches just walk in. They're they're not yeah. in the forest anymore. They just walk right on in, and... Mm-hmm. Ezra continues to be sweet and he like steps in front of her but she's like no this is my job trust me and the sweet man that he is he does and he steps back and lets her do her thing and oh mm-hmm. I just love that yeah oh yeah see okay so she could have also while, while he was like initially cutting her mm. that's when she could have grabbed his like ceremonial knife and done i honestly thought she would yeah that's when i thought it was gonna happen and that way she would have would not been branded forever yeah anyways i digress but just to avoid her being branded that would have been nice Mm -hmm. anyways (laughs) back to the witches invading the church (laughs) exactly yeah she really uses that uh gutting knife to well yeah Uh, got these witches 
but before that, we have Lilith who who reaches out her hand, and Vera had kind of mentioned to her, Lilith will probably make an offer to you. We'll probably oh, try yeah. to get you to join her. And she doesn't, but then Lilith turns toward her family, toward the Moors, and uh, Grandpa steps forward, mm-hmm. and then one of the beasts kills him. And then after that is when the sigil uh, that she drew into her arm begins to burn, and she's able to really start harnessing these powers. And it kind of seemed like Grandpa was yeah. the sacrifice, but then I also feel like at the end of the book, she was saying how she wasn't sure exactly what the full price was. So I wasn't yeah. sure. I'm not I wasn't sure, sure if we've gotten the full price or not. Because yeah, Vera said it was going to be like something absolutely terrible. Um and or I mean like, losing her grandfather. She might lose her mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cancer slowly dying. Mm-hmm. Not good. But but yeah, she uses each of the plagues to kill each of the witches is the short version yep. of it. Uh, right. But yes, and then putting the the gutting knife uh, to use. Uh, Ezra's there with his rifle firing. They're like back-to-back fighting, and I love it so much. And Yeah. And she kills, she kills Lilith, and, you know, sunlight is there now. The slaughter has stopped. The prophet crawls out from, like, his hiding spot because he did nothing <laughs> during that yeah. entire thing. Yeah. <sighs> The coward emerges and immediately starts accusing Emmanuel again of being mm-hmm. a witch and causing mm-hmm. this whole thing, even though she just saved everyone's life. Yes. Yeah. Well, Ezra calls him out, which yeah. perfect. Love you. Love you for doing that. And but yeah, the prophet is still like guards. You need to take care of this, and they are. They're they're moving forward. But once again, Ezra, you know, has his own rifle and is ready to to try and throw it down uh, against them. Emmanuel grabs back the gutting knife out of Lilith's skull. Yeah, and and then we have have women starting to step forward, and I think I thought it was very interesting the very specific distinctions that were made. It was. Vera, her grandmother, steps forward. Then more women, almost all from the outskirts. So almost mm-hmm. all of those people from the outskirts are the ones who step forward, which I thought made sense. And then again, men, also mostly from the outskirts, yeah, are the ones who step forward to protect her. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're the ones who they also suffered greatly under the prophet's rule and and they they mm-hmm. faced more as a collective they faced more racism on top of also all of the misogyny that was going on in right. this town and in this place so i mean it and classism and yes i mean anything you could think of they had thrown at them mm-hmm. uh, and and then glory mm-hmm. glory was the first of the Bethel people. Bethelins or whatever. Yeah. Bethelins. Ezra asks for the blade because he's going to end this, end this all. And and she she thinks about it and 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 she but then she said I think she's the one who says, The world you want can't be bought with blood. You build it with the choices you make, with the things you do. Either we can keep purging, keep the pyres burning, keep hoping that our prayers will be enough to save us. Or we can build something better. And at that point, Ezra's like, okay, no, it's completely your choice. 
Like, this is mm-hmm. completely up to you. And so she she drops the blade, and so no more. The slaughter is done. They're not going to do any more, but they are going to, you know, make a better world. But yeah, we've made it to the end. We still don't know what Ezra's vision was. <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> we don't know about the letter that the prophet was writing. Will <laughs> we learn these things in book two? Um <laughs> We don't know. It, it seems like there could be a war coming because there are people who are siding with the prophet who is now very much on his deathbed. Still alive! Yeah, but very much heck? on his deathbed. Please die. Please. Please. Consumption, please take him. Oh yeah, we've, we've done it. Yes. We've made it to the end of The Year of the Witching. Very good book. <sighs> I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. I can't wait for the second one. I'm so excited that there is a second one coming out. Yeah, I am very excited about that. So yeah, Christina, before we close out this episode, let's talk about some recommendations. Do you have any? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any that you want to share, Christina? Because you've thought about this very carefully. You have very specific notes. Oh, I don't have any notes. You know I never take notes on my recommendations. <laughs> Crazy lady. <laughs> I did think about it. I, I did think about it, but I, of course, never, I did not write it down. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> Perfect. Not my style. I want to keep this consistent throughout the podcast. Um. Okay, so I am going to, I did rewatch this recently. Okay. And I am going to recommend that you watch The Village. Okay. Um directed and written by M Night Shyamalan. Um okay. People are going to say it's not his best work, and I will say the ending was abrupt. But if you watch that movie, you're going to understand why the whole movie I was thinking that the outside world was okay. a modern world filled with cars and planes and modern cities. But um it's a good uh it's a good movie I think to watch after reading this novel. Um okay. I mean, it's kind of a very very similar themed no- or themed movie. Okay. Um and it's a pretty short movie. I think just an hour and a half, maybe a little bit under. Uh but very good. Good actors in it. Uh definitely recommend. Um nice. as far as novels go, I would say a modern novel that maybe is similar is uh, the Ninth House. Not totally similar, but uh, and that's going to be by Lee Bardugo, I believe. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, set in modern day, so not going to have that same feel. Um, and definitely more pro witch. Um. <laughs> I do. We we kind of skipped over this. I was very surprised. I mean, in a way, I was very surprised that the witches were just completely obliterated because they seemed like this, like, feminist symbol throughout the yeah. book of showing this, like, women in power. And exactly. then for them to be... But I, I appreciated it because I feel that Emmanuel is taking down both the father and the mother, so taking down the prophet and in mm-hmm. his ideals and the the witches and their ideals and basically being like... Both of these are horribly wrong. We need to be working right. for everybody. Sorry, that's just an aside that. No, we didn't get a I totally to talk about. agree. Um, yeah, because the people in the outskirts 
worshipped the witches. Yeah. And, you know, the people in, the Beth- in Bethel worshipped the father. So it was kind of weird because, you know, you see a book and the title's Year of the Witching and mm-hmm. you think you're in for, like, a pro-witch. Like, I fully expected, like, you know, when especially when you started reading the novel, it started off with uh, a blood sacrifice and yeah. a blood blessing. I was like, oh, this is a coven. Like, oh, I yeah. thought that... I thought that the church was a coven and um, that they were the witches. So I was really surprised when they were very anti-witch, which is actually kind of an interesting thought too. Um, Especially when you think of religion, as far as like how many rituals are actually involved Mm -hmm. in religion. And, you know, that's a whole other topic as well. But Mm -hmm. anyways, yeah, um, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, check out those two things. Nice. Uh, yeah, Hannah, you go for it with your recommendations that I know you have written down. They're going to sound really well put together. <laughs> um, so I have two recommendations. The first is The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Uh, so this okay. is a YA story that tackles many similar themes of misogyny uh, that were seen throughout the year of the witching This story takes place in an alternate Old West type of world where girls are often sold into prostitution by their families to help pay off their debts. That's like a very basic description of this book. There's so much more to it. There's a lot of really good world building done within this novel. Um, We open on two sisters who are like, quote unquote, working at one such establishment. Mm -hmm. And through a series of events, these sisters and some of the other girls end up escaping and going on the run. And they're all branded with this mark on their necks that they can't really hide. And so the ultimate goal of this entire book is for them to reach this place outside of... um, kind of similar to this book where it's like the world outside the the bigger world outside of this they're trying to get there and ultimately trying to get this mark this brand removed from them Mm -hmm. and so so they go on this journey and along the way they kind of become like this robin hood type where they're like targeting the men who frequent the brothels um so that they'll be able to pay for um the procedure to get rid of the marks and Mm. I, I just, and, and, and when they can, helping other young girls such as themselves. And I just, I think the story does a really good job of addressing trauma. Uh, so there are definitely content warnings for rape and sexual assault. And you're, you're mainly seeing the main character deal with the trauma that happens afterwards. And so mm-hmm. this is also the first in a series. I believe the second book is coming out this year. And yeah, I, I thought the ending of the first book was actually, like, perfect. I thought it, it ended perfectly, and I'm just really excited to see where that series goes. Um, oh, nice. So yeah. And then my second recommendation is uh, if you're more interested in the thriller and horror aspect, another book that I've read that's not quite <laughs> super thrillery or horror-y, but... <laughs> I I enjoyed. Um, I would suggest reading My Sister the Serial Killer uh, by Oyinkan uh, Braithwaite. 
Um, but this book is exactly what the title says. It's a woman dealing with her sister who is a serial killer. And oh. it's full of dark humor, and uh, the characters make really interesting choices throughout the book that had me yelling at the book and being really frustrated, <laughs> but they also made sense for the characters. Like, you truly understood why the characters were doing the things they did in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also pretty short. It's also a pretty short book. So if you are looking for something like that, I would suggest My Sister the Serial Killer. Nice. Yeah. All right. And it's fiction? It is fiction, yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. Well, we did it. Christina, what are we reading next time? uh, Next time, we are reading Alatsue by Darcy Little Badger, which is about Alatsue. She's a girl who can raise the ghosts of dead animals which is a skill that was passed down through generations of her Lipen Apache family. Oh, okay. Not sure if I said that right. Uh, it's set in a slightly stranger America. Hmm. Ooh. So be prepared for that. Ooh. And the mystery behind that. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Very exciting. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, well, we've reached the end then. Uh, Make sure you check out all of our social media. Um, All of that information can be found in the show notes for this episode. And thanks for joining in on our discussion. Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself. 